Good morning. It's good to be with you again. Um, one of the things that uh, happened to me on lockdown, um, there was this situation. It was one of my one of my boys, and um, they had this um, pretty expensive piece of equipment, and they were selling it on um, online. I think they sold it on eBay or something like that, and then they they sent it and. Um, and then the payment came, and they sent it off. And then, and then they got an email like from this guy that he sent it to, going, "Oh, it's not right, or it doesn't quite work." And he's like, "Oh no, it does work. Like you just need to do this and this and this." And and then the guy was like, oh, "I'm not happy about it." And then he raised a complaint with eBay or with PayPal or something. And then they just went, "Oh right, yeah," gave him his money back and said, "You need to send the thing back." But then the guy sent the thing back, and actually, the guy had done some update to it or software development to it or whatever, anyway, had wrecked it, had wrecked this thing. And my son was really like, oh, come on, that's not fair, because now I haven't got the money, but also the thing that I sold isn't worth the money now, because actually this guy's broken it, and then he's got his money back and sent it back, and, and he came to talk to me about it, and he was really stressed about it and worried about it, and I was like, that's not okay. It's okay. Dad's going to get involved in this. That's not Okay. I'll sort it. And I got on to PayPal and I got onto eBay and we went backwards and forwards and we went backwards and forwards and we went backwards and forwards and I was not letting this go. Because if you're a parent, you'll know what I mean. Like you can mess with me if you want, you can be grumpy with me if you want, you can be you can rip me off if you want, and that's all fine, but mess with my kids. Like that's something else. Do not, do not mess with my kids. And I was like, you know what, whatever this, I was saying to my, my son, like, whatever this is, mate, however this plays out, you know, I'll make sure you're covered. I've got it. I'll, I'll, I'll sort the money out. I'll sort the, we'll sort this out with them. We'll, we'll go to bat for you. I'll go fighting for you. We'll go, we'll resolve this. We'll get this sorted because you do not mess with my kids. And you know, if you're a parent, whether it's that, that teacher at school who just doesn't seem to get who your kid is and you just like, or treats them a little bit unfairly, and you kind of go, ah, oh, that's not okay. Or that coach who doesn't pick them for the team when you're pretty sure they're better than the other person who happens to be in the team. Like, oh, I'm going to sort this out. Like, you just want to, or they come home from school and they're kind of going, oh, yeah, like they got this really good friend and they've been great friends for a long time and sharing a lot of life together. And then they come home, they go, oh, they're not talking to me anymore. And they're saying stuff about me and they're gossiping about me and they're, they're talking about me and they're bad-mouthing me and, uh, and they're just and your child's there and you're going, it's all right, I'll sort this. And you, you gear up and you're, like, and you're heading out your door and, and Rachel's going, Adam, 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 don't do that, Adam. And they're five. Don't go storming into the playground sorting this out. No, it's not, it's not appropriate, Adam. Calm down. I'm going, yeah, but they're messing with my kids. Do you ever feel like that? Like you just go mess with me if you want, but do not. Do not mess with my kids. And do you know what? If you're going to mess with my kids, like if you're going to treat them badly or trash talk them or whatever it might be, like, you know, you can say what you want to me. You can be as kind as you want to me. You can, you can buy me gifts. You can, you can give me money. You can sing me songs. You can praise my holy name. It's not going to do anything because you mess with my kids. That's not going to work. Do you see? When it's our kids, it matters, right? 
people can be as nice to you as they want, but if they're not treating your kids right, then you've got a problem. And the flip side, if you do something for one of my kids, like you're golden with me. But you see, I think this is, it seems to be how God is. We've been talking a little bit about unity and community. And last week we were talking about how God is saying, look, there is one command. Love each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything plays out that way. Maybe we phrase it this way. Do you know there is one command? Treat my children well. Don't trash talk them. Don't gossip about them. Don't mistreat them. Don't abuse them. Don't bully them. Don't steal from them. Don't lie to them. Don't murder them. Don't hate them. Don't be jealous of them. Don't envy them. Don't set yourself against them. That's some of what we're going to look at this morning in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This passage pulls no punches. This passage is pretty tough reading and sometimes we have the problem you see like this might be a very familiar passage to you a passage i've read a number i don't know how many hundreds of times over the years this is a very familiar passage it's quite one of those famous passages and sometimes we can have this situation where this passage can become so familiar to us that we actually stop reading it we're just like oh yeah yeah no i know that i know that one and actually our familiarity with what it says passes as somehow that we adhere to it but this is a this is a high mark this is a high standard 
This is a tough passage to live by. This is one that I think needs some looking at, needs some listening to, needs some paying attention to. So let's do a little bit of that. So it says, don't know if I've got the right screen on there. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Okay, so what is the flesh? What is this? We're called to be free. We're called as children of God to live in freedom. We're not under the law anymore. We don't have to follow the rules anymore. This whole system that is so dominant throughout history, this sort of transactional God that we talked a little bit about last week, this transactional, well, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. If I obey the rules, if I believe the right things, do the right things, sing the right worship songs, show up for church on a Sunday, play in the right key... Whatever it might be, if I do that, then God, you will bless me and you'll make sure that I am blessed and that life works out for me. You'll make sure that I have my place in heaven. You'll make sure everything works out for me because we have this transactional deal. That's how people have viewed God for millennia. But then along comes Jesus and along comes the gospel and go, do you know what? Actually, you're not under the law anymore. God isn't like that. God isn't this transactional God where you've got to earn it. It's not a meritocracy. You don't just get there by being good enough because that path is fruitless. This is about relationship now. We are not under the law. We are under grace. And you might go, oh, amen, hallelujah, that's exciting because now I don't have to follow the rules. But actually what Paul goes on to say here is don't think that way. Actually, the benchmark is higher. This is a tougher law. This is a higher law. And let's explore it a little bit. Flesh. When he's talking about the flesh, that can be a bit of a confusing term. So when he's talking about flesh, he's talking about our sinful nature, that stuff in us that wants to, we know we shouldn't do. Paul in Romans 7 talks about, you know, the things I want to do, I, I, I find myself not doing. And the things I don't want to do or know I shouldn't be doing, that's what I find myself doing. This is the battle of the flesh. You know those things where you kind of, you're reacting a particular way. Or you want to do a particular thing and you're kind of like, oh, I know I shouldn't do this, but there I go. I'm doing it again. It might be that addiction or it might be that anger that you tend to, you know, every now and again, you might just flip out. Or it might be that, you know, you spend a lot of these time and, you know, I guess this is something people ask me over the years quite a lot. Oh, well, you know, is, is that a sin? Or if I, I want to do this, but I, I know the Bible says this, but kind of what if I just did that bit of it? What if I just did that bit? What is, do I, how close to the line am I? That's the wrong question. That's that mindset, that transactional mindset. That's that meritocracy mindset, that religious mindset. We go, no, 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 like this flesh, this sinful nature, like don't, don't play to it. Don't see how close to the line you can get without upsetting God or getting excluded from heaven or whatever that thing is that's going on in your head. No, no, flee from that. Move towards Christ. Don't try and skirt the margins of sin. 
go in the other direction. This sinful nature is this kind of this urge within us, these, this kind of instinct in, within us to, to satisfy our own desires at the expense of others. To satisfy our own needs, our own wants, our own impulses, our own to justify ourselves when we know we're wrong. It's our sinful nature, our human nature, that sort of instinct that to make it all about me. That instinct to just kind of get trapped in cycles and to try and earn stuff or to try and find the formula to happiness because I want to be happy. What must I do to be saved? That false self. Sometimes the flesh can be described as that false self, that sort of the image that we want to present because what people think of us is more important than what our character actually is like. You know, I can, I want to be perceived to be successful. So I'll go chasing that job, even though I know that's probably not the right move for me. I want to perceive to be popular. So I'll go hanging out with that crowd, even though I know that that's probably not the right crowd to be hanging out with. That false self is a fragile thing that we play to, that we, that we feed. It might be just self, this sort of self-obsessed. The world revolves around us. I am the point. What must I do to be saved? We make the gospel about us. We make it very individual. I said last week that, you know, these, these texts are not to be read as individuals. They can't be fulfilled. The law cannot be fulfilled as an individual. The Sermon on the Mount cannot, was not intended for us to follow as an individual. These are all written. This, these letters that Paul writes and James writes and Peter writes are written to communities. They're to be lived out in community. We can only do this. The way of Jesus cannot be lived in isolation. And yet we have this thing within us that just wants to make it all about us. What must I do to be saved? It's okay. I'm all right with God. It's all about my spirituality and me and God and everything else doesn't really matter and because it's just about me and God. And as long as spiritually I'm okay, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Don't believe that lie. Boils down to one law, how we love one another. That self, making it all about me, that ego. Because I just want to feel better about myself. But it's fragile, right? Because underneath it all, we don't actually believe the stuff that we present about ourselves. This is the flesh that it's talking about. And it often revolves around power, privilege, control. These are the tools, the weapons that we use. So when it's talking about flesh, think that. Think about those things and whichever sits best with your um, understanding. So it carries on. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about that last week. If you haven't heard last week's or the, or the one before that, I would really encourage you to go back and listen and catch up online because it's quite foundational stuff. But this all boils down to one command. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love one another. But I don't think we always take that very seriously. And we kind of go, no, 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 the world will know we're disciples because I wear my Jesus badge or I wear my T-shirt with some funny little 
logo on it or some quirky little caption on it that I picked up at New Wine that, you know, or, or people will know, people will know because, you know, I sing worship songs or I, I will carry my Bible around or I insist on saying grace or I, whatever it might be. And those are good things. But Jesus says, none of the way people are going to know. The way that people are going to know is by how you love one another. The command that all the laws hang on is love your neighbor as yourself. We saw some of this last week, Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. And what we saw last week was that actually what happens then in the early church, in Paul's writings, Peter's writings, John's writings, James's letters, is that gets reduced down to this one command. How do we love one another? In 1 John 3, it says this, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is love. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. This is strong language. This is difficult. And we can kind of justify this and go, oh, yeah, no, I mean, I know that. I mean, but I love them. I love them. Of course I love them. Like, but, you know, I just can't stand them. Fortunately, I don't know that that washes. Oh, yeah, no, no, but I love them. Of course I love them. I just, you know, I'm just not. I just, you know, I just profoundly disagree with them on a number of things. And I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that. Or, oh, yeah, of course I, of course I love them. I just never told them that, or I've never expressed that, or I've never demonstrated that. I don't think Jesus says, the world will know that you're my disciples if they're really smart and they can read between the lines and they understand that despite your behavior, you clearly love them. I don't think that's what the scripture says. The scripture says that the world will know. The scripture says, whoever claims to love God and yet hates, not all their brothers and sisters, a brother and sister, any brother or sister. If you say you love God, but you hate a brother or a sister, you are a liar, is what the Bible says. There is no room for that. There is no room for that sort of division. Because every single person is an image bearer of God. Every single one of us is a child of God. We don't mess with God's children. Because that's the thing. Right? We cannot say... On one hand, oh, yeah, I'm really holy and I'm doing all my Bible readings or I'm singing all my songs or I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And on the other hand, be 
trash-talking somebody or gossiping about somebody or making life really difficult or unpleasant for somebody or bullying somebody or giving someone the silent treatment or whatever it might be. We cannot do that. Because God's not interested. It says that if you look in the Old Testament, I'm fed up of your sacrifices and your worship songs and your events. I'm not interested in that. What I demand is love, mercy, justice. Don't give me the religious stuff because it does nothing for me. You know what? You know that religious stuff? Who's that really for? It's for us, right? It's for you. You know that incredible worship experience we had and the presence of God and overcome and it was that beautiful moment and life-changing moment. Who benefited most from that, God or you? You, right? That prophetic word you received that helped shape your life, who benefited most from that? You, right? And God says, the thing that I love, the thing that really blesses me is how you love one another. Is love, mercy, grace, justice. Don't come in with your worship songs and your smells and bells and your showing up to church every week or it's good. But it's about us. So it says this, so I say, so if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What does it mean to be led by the spirit? does not mean to be in some otherworldly spiritual place it means that we are indwelt by the spirit of god and god is love we are indwelt by the spirit of god and god cannot hate himself so when we are indwelt by god we are invited to give God more and more control in our lives. We are invited to keep in step with the Spirit by being in relationship with God. So God is inspiring us. God is working in us. God has access to those parts of our life because none of us have got this nailed, right? None of us have got this nailed. But are we open to the Spirit doing that work of transformation in us? Are we work open to the Spirit giving us that prompting where the Spirit might go, do you know that? You need to go and put that right. You know when you did that? I wasn't very kind. And just saying sorry to me isn't really going to cut it. Because you've hurt somebody, you need to go and say sorry to them. You need to go and restore that relationship. You know, don't hold on to that unforgiveness in your heart because it's destroying you and walking in step with the spirit whilst holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or pain 
is difficult. Do we allow the Spirit to do his work in that? Now, I should probably say here, there are a couple of exceptions in the scripture where unity cannot be achieved. And we will come on to those in coming weeks. We're going to look at some of that. But I just want to say at this point, if the situations come into your mind are about a relationship that maybe has been abusive, then that's a different story. That is not what I'm talking about. And that doesn't give, you know, maybe those of us who kind of had a falling out with someone and go, oh, well, they were, they were quite rude. That was a bit abusive. That's not what I'm talking about. They said some mean things. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you've been in an abusive marriage or an abusive relationship, that's not what I'm talking about. We're not saying, oh, you need to go restore that. Otherwise, God can't. That is not what I'm saying. And I just want to clarify that. But in our everyday relationships, in our the community that we're in, in our day-to-day stuff with each other, love, how we love one another really matters. We need to be people who keep in step with the Spirit. So then it says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Just in case you thought you could run through that list and go, no, 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 no. Then it kind of throws in this and the like at the end because you're going, no, come on, people. We all know that these are things that we have slipped into from time to time. But these are things that are not conducive to a life of the that is in step with the spirit these are things that are not conducive to being in community with each other that reveals the nature of god we can't have these things sexual immorality impurity debauchery some you know words that probably need unpacking there idolatry again witchcraft fine hatred they're pretty straightforward there's people that just cause that reaction that strong reaction in you to deal with that discord where we're at odds with each other where there is disagreement between us where there is division we cannot reflect god when we look like that and again in scripture and we'll come to this there are ways that if you have a disagreement with someone there are very clear ways that you're supposed to deal with that And we will talk about that. But we cannot have discord in our hearts or in our behavior. Jealousy. Jealousy is a characteristic of comparison. And comparison kills joy. Comparison is never what we're called to be. If you fully understood who God created you to be, you wouldn't want to be anybody else. There is no room for jealousy. I cannot love you. unconditionally and find any room for jealousy do you see these the law love your neighbor as yourself love each other so the world will see what i am like doesn't give any space for this there's no room for jealousy in my heart there's no room for discord and division hatred anger fits of rage 
There's no room for me to put myself first, selfish ambition. There's no room for that. If I'm loving you, there's no room for that. Dissensions. Yeah, we all do it. We all get a little bit grumpy about something or our boss at work or, or our church leadership team or whatever it might be. And we just want to, oh, I'll go and talk to some people about that and we'll just, you know, we'll have a chat about that and we'll moan about that and we'll see who else is unhappy because then I can, you know. There's no room for that. We just look like the world when we do that. Just look like everyone else when we do that. And we can justify, we're trying to justify our own, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm not happy with my boss or who else in my office isn't happy with my boss. And if we're all happy, then you see, no, I'm right. You see, I'm right to not be happy because all these other people aren't happy too. No, no, that... There's no room for that. There's no room for that in the kingdom. If I'm loving my neighbor as I love myself, if we're bringing this unconditional love, there's no room for that. Factions. Our little group over here, we understand what the gospel's about, but that church over there, oh no. No, 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 they don't. No, 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 they don't, they don't do it right. They're really bad. That church over there, we don't. No, they're our brothers and sisters. Like, there's a, the Bible's really clear how we have to treat them. The Bible's really clear how we have to speak of them. The Bible's really clear how we have to love them. The Bible does not give us any room to go slandering, gossiping. There's no room for gossip, is there? Because that's just me elevating my own sense of right or worth or whatever at the expense of somebody else. I'm taking their story to elevate myself and to diminish them. There's no room for that. If I'm loving other people. I'm going to skip this. New Living Translation gives us the same words, but in a different way. It talks about sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. The message puts it really well. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Why don't you say what you think? Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. I mean, wow. There's no room for this. We cannot do this. This is not who we're called to be because we just like the world. Does the world look like any of that stuff? Do we see people dividing everyone into us and them? Right and left? Brexit and Remain? Democrats and Republicans? Conservatives and Labour? Maskers? Anti-maskers? Vaccinations? Anti-vaxxers? Like, we just, we love to do this whole polarisation. So if we do that in the church, oh, yeah, Methodists and Free Church and Independent Church and Anglicans, oh, no, 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 we don't like any of those other guys. We're no better. 
We can have the most incredible worship. You can have the best sermons. We can do the best online streaming in the world. But if we're not loving each other, we're wasting our time. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because I'm loving you, how can I steal from you? How can I lie to you or about you? How can I do anything that diminishes you, oppresses you, silences you? damages you no no it's all consumed in this one command love your neighbor as yourself you see we are not the point of the gospel this question that we have what must i do to be saved is the wrong question let's replace it with this question what does love require of me in every situation in every moment, in every relationship, not just most, in every context, not just most, in every moment, not just most, what does love require of me? How do I bring love and grace and mercy and justice in this moment? This is how we're called to live. How do I build unity rather than division in this moment? This is how we're called to live. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. All of these are entirely in keeping with a group of people, with a community that loves each other. None of them are at odds with how we're called to live. These are the consequence of how we live. What does love require of me? Last week we looked at the Church of Acts. We said this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had you know we're inspired by this early church aren't we but are we prepared for it to are we prepared for the discomfort of living this out acts chapter 2 said all the believers were together and had everything in common that doesn't mean all being the same diversity and unity are part of the same expression but division is not. All the believers were together, not divided. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Everybody could see what God was like by the way that this community loved one another. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We talk about being a church that is in anticipation of what God is about to do. 
we talk about being in a church has this sense of its new move of God, of people being saved, of people being healed, of the power of God being expressed and the love of God being expressed in our community. But it starts with us. Are we united? Are we together? Are we people who love? Or are we people who hold on to division? Are we people who hold on to enmity, who set ourselves against each other? I'll leave you with this. The devil isn't afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. If we want to see this move of God, we need to be a church that is united. A church that loves each other well. A church that loves our community well. Not a church that is given to enmity or division or anger or immorality or selfish ambition but a church that speaks blessing so what I want us to do is our, as our response where you are in your living rooms or in your bedrooms or wherever it is you're watching this in your cars or whatever we're going to sing the blessing it's a beautiful song but as we sing this as our response I want us to sing it over each other. I want you to have in mind the person you find most difficult. And we sing this blessing over them. I want us to have in mind the person that maybe the Spirit is putting on our hearts that we need to go and put things right with, or we need to go and say sorry to. We need to go and bless. And let's start that process, we don't end that process here, we start that process here by singing this blessing. It will be followed by actions of restoration. It will be followed by actions of repentance. It will be followed by actions of generosity, actions of love, actions of justice, actions of mercy, actions of grace. But we start by singing this blessing. Lord, we want to be a church that is known as a church that reveals you and your spirit. We want to be a church that is known by the way that we love one another, by the way that we love our community, the way that we love your children, your creations, your image bearers. So we're sorry, Lord, for whatever we have fostered and festered division. We're sorry, Lord, for whatever we have not loved well. Whatever we have hurt, whatever we've been unforgiving, whatever we've put our own needs first. We've served our own ego. We put ourselves at the center of this gospel where we've asked the wrong question. Lord, what does love require of us today? Lord, we want to be people who are in step with your spirit. People who bear this fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People who love well. So Lord, we want to speak blessing now over those who are across the table from us or who to the right of us, or who to the left of us, people who are at odds with us. 
Lord, we want to speak blessing over them now. Amen.